this morning the message is lose the accuser <laughs> lose the accuser now um, do you ever have those thoughts that uh, I'm not good enough I always like to see Jose's picture what he puts up for lo- oh there lose the accuser <laughs> yeah. yeah well the the accuser of, and according to scripture uh, actually, it's Revelation 12:10. says, Then I heard a strong voice out of heaven saying, Salvation and power are established. The kingdom of our God, the authority of his Messiah, the accuser of our brothers and sisters thrown out, who accused him day and night before God. They defeated him through the blood of the Lamb and the bold word of their testimony or of their witness. So we find that what happens in our life if we don't feel like we're good enough, all right? Now, being challenged to become better is, good, is, is the right thing, you know? We, we're not, we, if you're planning on being an athlete, you, you can't just stop where you're at. If you're planning on being a musician, you just can't stop with what you've already done. I think of our, uh, Rhonda's uh, um, nephew, Alan, his wife uh, plays the flute for the Wichita Symphony. And she's, I don't know how old, she's almost, almost old enough to retire or something like that. I don't want to say how old she is. You might listen to this and say, I'm not that old, Uncle Dave. <laughs> she's almost our age. Okay. So almost our age, that's she's really young. Okay. But, you know, for her, she, pl- she practices the flute at least five to six hours a day, every day. I mean, Running up and down those scales, gotta be. <laughs> but, uh, but she plays at the Wichita Symphony, and she plays very well, and she sings professionally, and she plays professionally. So she can't just sit back on what she has accomplished. She must continue to practice, continue to do those things. And so in our lives, the accuser is always telling us we're not good enough. But the accuser is not, hit. the goal of the accuser is not to make ourselves better, but to somehow put ourselves down that we might as well quit. We might as well give up. And that's, that accuser is the one that we have to lose. <laughs> the one who accuses us or makes the accusations that are not true. The accusations have, you know, um, in, order for there to, in order for people to believe a lie, there must be an element of truth. Okay. Now, that's where the occults and all those who peddle false religions, they always come in with an element of truth. Don't you agree that our world is not as good as it should be? Well, that's, yeah, it could be better. Well, let us, and then go on to something that is a lie. Well, the, the truth that Christ gives to us is a truth that is not only good in this life, but it's in the life to come. That is the truth that is part of who he is, his character, part of his um, quality as to who he is and what he has come to do. In our Sunday school lesson, we talked about that I am that I am, you know, the, the almighty God that he has come to be these things to us and with us. And one of the scriptures that, um, uh, one of the situations that I, I looked at uh, that kind of goes around the accusation, and I didn't give this to you, Jose, so you don't have to go looking for it, I'm sorry, but um, the temptations of Jesus. Now, here is Jesus, the Son of God, come, you know, God giving up his divinity and becoming human and becoming like us so that he can um, 
become our Savior, all right? So whenever he is starting on this journey, beginning his ministry, we find that he is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, we would think if God was going to lead him, why would he lead him to a place where he is going to be tempted? Well, sometimes the accusations and the temptations are there for us to know and to establish really who we are. That difficulties come in order to, you know, that we can grow through them and go through them. Redeeming the time. Uh, an individual I heard was talking about the, um, the uh, hurricanes and so on in Texas and in Florida. And they were talking about how that we don't understand why they're here or why they happened. But we need to redeem the time. We, may, we need to take and find the good in how that we can find the good in what has just happened. And in our lives, we're constantly looking for the good. We're constantly looking for how the God is going to be able to work in our life and to bring the word of God to life inside of us, which gives us the strength to go on to the next step. You know, we haven't arrived. We've only just begun. And it doesn't matter if we've been doing this for 100 years, we're still in the beginning process. We're still beginning. We're still continuing to renew what we already, what we know inside of us. And so when Jesus went out into the, into the uh, desert, uh, the devil tempted him. And he always questioned him. He says, if you, if you, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, Jesus has been on a fast for 40 days. Now, some believe that this, these accusations came to Jesus all during the 40 days. Others believe that at the very end, when Jesus is at his weakest moment, that this is the point that Satan comes to tempt him. And he says, if you are the Son of God. You see, the, the, the accuser will have us question who we are. He will have us question our motive. He will have us question what we do. And because we have these questions doesn't mean that we shouldn't be doing them. It means that we have to have the right answer. <laughs> and Jesus, he says, um, he tells him, are you the son of God? Make these stones bread. Well, hey, you know, I'm hungry. What does that hurt? <laughs> Jesus said, you should not live by bread alone, you know, but every word that comes out of the, every word that proceeded from God. So we find that the accuser will try to get us off course and will, will cause us to doubt our purpose. And one of the ways that we uh, doubt our purpose is that we, ch we, we question God. What is the purpose of the storm? What good came out of the storm? What good comes out of people who are hurting? What, come, what good comes out of the, the, the problems that face us? Well, redeeming the times is that we allow Christ to come into those moments and give us the strength, the insight, and the ability to go on. If you are this man of God, woman of God, if you are this musician, this player, this athlete, this teacher, this worker, this whatever you are, if you are this, what, then the questions come to try to belittle or cause us to stop going forward. Well, um, if you are the Son of God, jump off the cliff. <laughs> 
I love that one. If you are Jesus, he takes, the, he takes Jesus to the, the top of the, the temple there. It's kind of the highest point in Jerusalem. And, and it falls off down into the valley, which is more than just the, the height of the wall. But it, you know, continues on down into the Kidron Valley. And it, it's, a, it's a drop. And uh, the devil takes Jesus there and says, if you are the Son of God, jump off. Because, you know, God will catch you. <laughs> well, you know, don't tempt God. Don't be foolish. And the, se- and the third one is, if you will, kneel down. I will give you all of this world if you will just kneel down and worship me. You see, the, the devil tries to give us what isn't his to give. <laughs> it's not his to give. You see, it, you know, it's like peer pressure. If you do this, you know, with your other whatever people that are your, in your job or whether you're in school or wherever it is, doesn't matter. There's always peer pressure. There's always people wanting you to do something different than what you think you should be or our desire to want to belong. And so we, and it's a good desire, you know, it's not good that man should be alone. That means you should have a wife or a, man, or a husband. But the idea is that if it, if it works that way for you. So the challenge is, for us to see how that God is going to work in those situations. How that God is going to bring about the revelation of who he is in that place. Well, in the last few weeks we've been doing uh, Matthew 27, and, or Matthew 26, and uh, we were looking at Jesus in the garden and then his trial and so on. And today I, I wanted to look at Matthew 27, because here is the, I think, the epitome of this place where Jesus is accused. That he is accused uh, by people who are supposed to be the ones in authority. He is accused by individuals that um, are saying he isn't what he's supposed to be. And so, and very early, verse 27, verse 1, very early in the morning, the leading priests and elders of the people met again to lay plans for putting Jesus to death. You see, they had already determined an outcome. Before, before they arrested Jesus, they already determined what they were going to do with him. Did you ever notice that when people are making accusations, they don't really want to know the truth? <laughs> that when people that are trying to belittle or put you or put people in their place, they don't want to hear anything different than what they've already made up their mind to be. And here are these religious leaders. They've already made up their mind that Jesus is not what we want him to be and he is going, we're going to put him to death. And we see how Jesus goes through this. So at the very beginning of his ministry, you know, he goes into the desert and he uh, is there for 40 days in the fast and the devil comes to make these accusation, accusations against him. And then at the end of his life, there's this accuser trying to get Jesus not to fulfill his plan. I think sometimes that um, when we are that important, if what we were doing were not important, why would there be an accuser? <laughs> if what you were wanting to achieve were not that important, why would it be important for us to doubt who we are and to doubt where we're going? You see, God has a plan, and that plan and that, that purpose and those dreams that are in our hearts, I, I don't believe that evil gives us great plans. <laughs> uh, I believe that God gives us dreams, and then God gives us the abilities to get there. 
you know, for, for myself, um, I, I, I go back, you know, when I, I was getting out of high school and going to college and things, I was going to be a football coach and play football, be a football coach, be a, uh, you know, and work in the athletic department and, you know, be a full-time jock. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> because God had another calling. And I would have never, ever, I mean, I remember in, uh, in, when I was in Salem College where we met Rhonda, but I remember going to uh, speech class. It was one of the things we had to take. And I had to go to speech class and give a speech, you know. I hated it. What good is this? I'm never going to do this. <laughs> never take my, whole, my whole life is now talking, you know. <laughs> Some people know I don't ever know when to shut up. It's 12 o'clock, you know. <laughs> I had years ago, I had this, we had this one, one, one lady, she didn't come to church all that much because if I went one minute after 12, she got up and left, up and left. And if I finished just on time and got back there to say goodbye, she says, well, you know, I'm going to have to stand in line at the re restaurant, don't you? <laughs> and I thought, thanks for coming. <laughs> you know, everybody has their little things, you know, that, we, that they, they set in motion and use as a ruler to to um, measure people. God measures the thoughts and the intents of our heart. And that's why God has given us the ability to see beyond the accuser, to go beyond that which would try to limit who we can become. So believe in the God who believes in you. Believe in the God who believes in you. Because God put the dream in you, now he, he has also given you the ability and the talents to work on, to develop, to become. You see, God, because God calls us to do something, you know, he called me to be a minister, doesn't, didn't mean that I'd, I never had to study again. It, it didn't mean that I didn't have to try and perfect my delivery. You know, Jose has me on film, you know, and uh, I, I, I've, I've watched sometimes my, my messages, and I see sometimes that I'm always speaking with my arms. It's like, quit moving that arm! <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's just a uh, force of habit, so I, I, I stick my hands under the, the desk and put them on the drawer so I don't move them. <laughs> so I try to do things to not make it so annoying. Will that guy stop, you know, uh, moving his arms and waving and flailing, you know, it becomes a distraction, so now you're going to watch for me moving my hands, you know. So... But because God calls us to do something doesn't mean we're immediately there. It can take a lifetime to achieve and to grow and to become. And all of the things that go on in our life are part of that process. I, I, I like how that, you know, uh, I like how that the, the scriptures talk to us about how that while we were yet in our mother's womb, God knew us. That God knew your parents, grandparents. He knew, he had this all planned out. So God had you all planned, and then he had plans for your life. Now, we all make choices. We all have the right to say no <laughs> to where God wants to lead us, but God has put us in a certain place at a certain time to be the, the person that we are, to achieve a certain goal, to achieve a certain life, so that as we are in this whole thing, we are seeing God at work. You know, uh, and Lorraine, that is the Wichita Symphony, plays the flute as, as, as a 
teenager, or a young girl in high school, I don't think she dreamed of being a, a flutist in a, sim in a symphony, but she was trying to be the best of what she was. And so we find then that in our own lives, me growing up, I never thought I would ever be in front of people and speaking and be, being a pastor and, and doing those things. And I, I never dreamt that I would be a person working in a, you know, in a hospital and, and doing the things that I do there also. Uh, I, never, I never thought of those things. But yet, as we go along, we find the open doors, and as we find the open doors, we find opportunities, and as we find the opportunities, we find the talents and the gifts to do, the to do what we're, what's in our hands. You see, God is at work doing these things. And so the, the um, leaders, the, uh, the priests and the elders, they, they bound Jesus and led him away and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. You see, they recognized that Pilate was at a disadvantage. They were going to riot if they didn't get what they wanted. Pilate doesn't want his soldiers the Roman soldiers to die, and he doesn't want to kill all these people, but yet they, he, they, he wanted there to be peace, and you know, seemed like a reasonable idea, only letting one man die so that there, there wouldn't be a riot, so that's where they went to, to Pilate and had this whole scheme together, but verse 3 says, when Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. Now, last week we, we spoke about this. The difference between remorse and repentance. You see, Judas was filled with remorse. Now, remorse means a gnawing distress arising from a sense of guilt for past wrongs. Peter, who, who denies Jesus, turns from his sin. Repentance is turning about and going a different direction. Peter repented of his sin, his denying of Christ, and went back to Christ. People who are filled with remorse mostly are individuals who feel bad for the moment, and then they go and do the same sin again. And I think Judas, for what we know of him, he was the money, he's the guy who kept the money, but he kept his fingers in the money. <laughs> you know, he kept, he would, you know, he was the one who was, you know, robbing the pot, not robbing Peter to pay Paul. <laughs> he was robbing the pot for, P for Judas. And so he was used to this sense of remorse. He was used to this sense of doing things wrong, and he never really repented, even though Jesus knew he was doing it. And in our life, if we find ourselves doing the same thing over and over again and feeling bad for it and then keep going, we're not really repentant. It's just remorse. And we have to watch out because that's where Judas was at. He was filled with remorse. He was sorry that he did it, but he went back and would do it again. Well, Judas then in his remorse, he took the 30 pieces of silver and he threw, and he says, I have sinned. This was his remorse, but he told the wrong person. <laughs> you know, he told the wrong person he sinned. His sin was against God. His sin was that he knew that Jesus was innocent, but he betrayed him anyhow. And he betrayed him because he wanted 30 pieces of silver. He wanted, he wanted, he put Jesus in a position where he figured Jesus could get himself out of. But little did he know that he was fulfilling the will of God. When people come out of the blue, <laughs> seemingly from nowhere, and make accusations that are totally unfounded against you, it's like, and, you, and if you try to explain to them 
how, what the truth is, they don't want to hear it. They already know what the truth. We had a situation um, not too long ago where, you know, we, we, well, we moved. <laughs> and uh, and uh, some people come up to me and told me, we know how you got in here. You know, like how we got into our, where we're living now. They, they said, we know how you got in here. And they went on to explain how it all happened. And it's like, you weren't there, and that's not at all how it happened. <laughs> you know, and, and I said, no, no, that's not how it And this is what, oh, no, 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 you can't tell me. I said, okay, I can't tell you. <laughs> you know, you weren't there, but n- neither was the people that you, you talked to there, but somehow they knew. And, you know, I tried to explain, and it didn't do any good. They didn't want to hear it. So it's a sad commentator, but there are people who don't care about the truth. They don't even want to care about the thoughts and the intents of your heart. God knows the intent of the heart. And our intention sometimes, you know, gets betrayed by our action, and uh, we need to step back and ask for forgiveness and go on. And when Judas threw the 30 pieces of silver uh, back at the priests and so on, and they said, and this is, this is the, 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 uh, the character of these, these people at that time, of, of the priests. But it's also a character of, of our society at times. What do we care? <laughs> That's your problem. G- Judas betrayed innocent blood, and he was telling these people who were accusing Jesus, they were accusing him of crimes he didn't do, and he's telling them, you know, you're wrong in all this, and they say, what do we care? We got him where we want him. We can now get rid of him. Hmm. So Judas threw the coins down, and Judas went out and hung himself. It's a sad, a sad commentary on Judas because he spent three years with Jesus and still didn't see who he was. Three years of miracles and teachings and, you know, listening and walking and participating in feeding 5,000 and the other time they fed 4,000, walking on water, I mean, raising the dead. He was there for it all. And it never got to his heart. And that's where I think God wants us to look at our life and know that God is dealing with our heart. And if out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so as we are here today, what are we doing? We're filling our heart with God's word. We're allowing the word of God to become alive inside of us so that God's spirit can take that word and speak it. Hmm. Whenever we feel lonely, I'm the Lord thy God. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll never abandon you. I'll never abandon you. I... I, I, I <laughs> You see, evil cannot change what God has written. God has written, right? God has written. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All things work together. All things. Jesus is saying, the word is saying that no matter what happens in your life, God can make it good. So sometimes we just have to back off and say, okay, God, it's your turn. Make it good. Make good out of this. All right, sometimes we feel like, you know, I just don't have the ability to go on. I don't have the strength to go on. I'm the Lord thy God, you know, that God will give us strength. You know, as your day is, so shall your strength be. 
You know, I, I deal over and over again with individuals who are dying. And, um, you know, some of them are, are, are very frightened, and I, you know, they're, they're going to die. And I, I've not been at that place, but what I do is I, I hold their hand and I, and I, and I pray. You know, God, is, God will take care of you today, and he is. He'll take care of you tomorrow. The same God that takes care of you today will take care of you tomorrow. And if you pass into eternity, the presence you're with is the presence you're going to. It's okay. He'll, he'll meet you. He'll pick you up. And you see, in our life, God is the same God who's going to, for, that died on the cross to forgive us of our sins, is the same God who lives within our heart to wash our sins from our life. The blood of Jesus Christ shall cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that is inside of us, quickening the word of God to bring it to life so that we can believe and understand that the accuser we need to lose. <laughs> because God isn't accusing, God is encouraging and whenever we hear, I can't do this, uh, we feel I can't do this, I can't go there, we need, to ch- we need to stop, lose the accuser, not by turning around and arguing with him, but by turning, around, turning forward and facing God and recognizing, God, let your word become alive inside of me. The Bible says that the word of God is quick and powerful. The word of God is alive and active. It's very much alive. It's not just a history book. It is a book of life, that the life of the word, the living word, Jesus is the word became flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And John says, I held him. I held the word. (laughs) Not that I held the book. I held the person who is the word. And so as I place that word in my heart and my life, I then sense the presence of God and 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 the love of God working in me and we see where um, Judas, excuse me, where Jesus stands before Pilate, and uh, and Pilate says, "Are you the King of the Jews? Are you?" And Jesus says to him, "You've said it." Whenever our 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 words agree with His word, we will find strength. When when we say that God is with me, hmm. He is. Whenever we believe that God will help me, he is. See, that's not an accusation. That's an encourager. Jesus is, Jesus is our cheerleader. We have any cheerleaders? We used to have a bunch of cheerleaders here. That was about 30 years ago. I'm Ruth. <laughs> it wasn't Ruth either. <laughs> yeah, we used to have, I don't know, two or three cheerleaders here. Yeah, rah, 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 kick them in the knee. But anyhow, uh, I get sidetracked. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. <laughs> Where's my ending page? <sighs> the accuser is always trying to tell us what we're not. God is always trying to tell us what we can become. The accuser will try to deflate your dreams. Say they're beyond your abilities. God will always tell us nothing is impossible to those who believe. That we don't have the talent, we don't have the ability, we don't have, that doesn't matter. 
What matters is when God speaks his word, things change inside of us. <laughs> I heard this, the story of, you know, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> Colonel Sanders and his finger licking chicken good, you know. He had a restaurant and it was along the highway and he had a big business. Well, then they put in the freeway or the uh, four lane and it bypassed the whole thing and his business went. <laughs> so he sold his business, that store, and he went on the road with his recipe and his friars. And there are now finger licking good. Every one of us have all had a piece of Colonel Sanders chicken. Because his store closed down, which should have been a defeat, was just an opportunity to grow. And opportunities in our life often look like obstacles. The accuser says, can't do it. Our faith says, all things are possible. So in this place where God is speaking to our heart, whenever we hear the truth, it kind of deafens us to the accuser. You know, we have selective hearing. You know, how many men here have selective hearing? How many wives think their husbands have selective hearing? Yeah, okay. There we go. Okay, we got that point. You understand what selective hearing is? Okay. Well, we need to be selective in what we hear. And what we hear, we need to hear the truth of God's word that speaks to us. There is nothing impossible to those who believe. There are dreams that God has placed in our heart that will take maybe a lifetime to fulfill and maybe take until tomorrow. But... What else? Believe in the God who believes in you. Let the accuser go. <laughs> don't, let him, don't let him sit on your shoulder. Kick him off. <laughs> he has no room. And when he shows up, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resisting is active resist. You know, resisting is doing this, but you're not fighting with the enemy. You are resisting him with the truth coming into your life. And the more the truth flows into your life, the less resistance, <laughs> the less um, ability we have to falter by listening to the wrong voice. Jesus knew who he was, and the devil couldn't convince him that he was wrong. The people and their tide of kill him, crucify him, all that, it couldn't stop him from being who he is. And... <laughs> When Jesus died on the cross, there were, there were his accusers were still after him. Here they've won. They got him on the cross. He's dying. And what do they do? They come by and they throw more insults at him. You know, if I'd have been him, I'd have, you know, but I wasn't. <laughs> and so that's us. We're, we are him. We are Christ. And that his word, he, he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. The joy that was set before him was you and I. That's why he died. That we could have his word in our heart, we could have his spirit in our lives that could quicken us, that we can become what God wants us to be. And you know what? And I'm not going to sing it. We've only just begun. Let's stand. <laughs> so... <sighs> Going to shut off the accuser. I had a friend, uh, he had hearing aids. 
And uh, sometimes in, in our, we, he, we would go to youth convention, and he was an older man, you know, in the youth convention, everything's really loud. He'd just turn off his hearing aids, and you'd talk to him, he'd go, you know, <laughs> you didn't hear a word you said. Yeah? He just turned him off, and then afterward, he said, what'd you say? I said, weren't you listening? He said, no, I turned off my hearing aids. I don't want to hear any of that stuff. It was just different. God, help us to hear your word. Let your spirit bear witness with our spirit. May your word touch our hearts and our lives and form our thoughts. And as we are on the potter's wheel, it is not the environment around us that shapes us, but it is your spirit and your word that comes together to mold us into the person you want us to be. Thank you, Jesus. We've lost the accuser because we've gained the Christ. Amen. God bless you.